Phil, welcome back to this second episode of our Ask mm-hmm. a Negotiator podcast series. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you, Ben. Fantastic. So last time we discussed the anatomy of a good negotiator. So we looked at some core uh, skills, some core elements that make up a successful negotiator. And this time, what I've got for you is not a theoretical question, but it's more of a specific negotiation challenge that was submitted actually by myself, but I'm sure it's one that people will encounter on a regular basis. Mm. And the challenge is around that of choice, or rather in negotiations, a perceived lack of choice. So for example, in situations with a superior or in negotiations with a more powerful party, there is often this quite crushing feeling of, oh, well, I have no choice. So Phil, if I, were, if I was to say to you, well, I don't have a choice here, what would you say to that? I'd say you're right. <laughs> you don't. Um, and in that instant where you said, well, I don't have a choice here, um, you, you gave away any choice you might have. And it's an interesting word, this word choice. Uh, Maybe I'm going a bit off the wall, but if I think about the word choice, I sometimes think, oh, perhaps it feels a bit too friendly, a bit innocent. It's not quite made up its mind. Should I do this or shouldn't I? As if there's some room, some space. And the easiest way I come to think about choice is it's all about power and control. So every time I hear the word word choice, I'm immediately equating it to power and control. Uh, So that's exactly what you did. When you said, I don't have any choice here, you effectively handed all the power and control over to me. And you became, uh, if I really want to lay it on, (laughs) a victim to whatever the outcome might be. Now, I just need to say at this point, before people get too alarmed, there is nothing wrong with doing that. Um, And we could have an everyday typical example, maybe something where I, I might say to you, Ben, what do you want for dinner tonight? And you might say, you choose, Phil perfectly fine. Uh, Every day in life, we do just that. We allow other people to make choices. But I I don't quite think that we think of it, oh, I've just handed over power and control. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think that resonates in our head. But that's what you've done. And the outcome is the meal you get, which is fine. That's fine. Except I've noticed (laughs) with people is where perhaps you don't like the meal. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly it's all my fault. And this is an interesting thing I've noticed in people because I see so many situations where people are quick, maybe inadvertently or maybe through uh, being nervous, not sure. They're handing over control to other people um, and then when they don't like the outcome, they're then extremely quick to apportion blame. And it's always the other's fault. And it's never them. 
And yet, what we haven't recognised is that in handing over that power and control by making that choice, we've contributed. Mm-hmm. We just don't think of it um, quite in that way. Um, and I think maybe if I, w- if I just wanted to push this point a little bit further, this the, the contribution part, how we contribute to a lot of what happens to us in life, I, I would go so far as to say um, there's only one thing in life that we don't have a choice over, and that's being conceived. After that, what happens to us in our life um, through the choices we make, our contribution um, to what happens next is is more significantly down to us. So you, is it about getting people to take more ownership or responsibility for what they do? Yes, I think I, I think that's it. Is as as I said at the beginning, this word choice in in a way, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe reflect on it again, feels such a harmless word, mm-hmm. but it has enormous impact on our lives, and it is, and that's why I like this. Think about choice as power and control, um, and. I coined this little expression at one stage to try and, as my children were growing up into adults, to try and try and give them a lesson that I'd learned. And, and my expression was, we learn from the past, but we influence the future by how we behave in the present. And what I was trying to say is, is we're going to live our lives, things will happen, and we look back on them. Maybe we have some regrets, maybe we don't, but that's where we learn. The only thing you and I absolutely have control over is here and now in the present, how we choose to behave right now. And instead of worrying about the past and hoping for the future, if you put your effort into maybe the power and control you do have, which is controlling how am I going to behave with you right now, that is probably the single biggest factor that will influence the future. Mm-hmm. Also known as luck. Yes. <laughs> People call it luck. I like to say there's no such thing as luck. It comes from your investment of your efforts uh, in the present. So with this choice thing, I'd like to maybe give some people some tips, maybe. I don't know quite whether they'll resonate. And I think the first thing is it is is a mindset thing because that voice starts in your head when the going gets tough or you're uncertain. uh, And the voice starts to say that actually you've not got a lot of choice here or it's running out or, or worse still, you've got none. And my first tip would be in that moment to say to yourself, am I happy to hand over power and control? The answer might be yes. Phil, you choose the meal. You have all control. But that is a more stark way of viewing what you're doing. And that 
slight edge and pause might be, hang on, no, do I want to hand over power and control? Because that's quite a lot. But that goes, goes back to what you were saying last week, but maybe it's that gut feeling. Yeah. Something's triggered there that doesn't maybe quite feel right and that, that yeah. opportunity to pause and reflect is maybe the, yeah. the time you need. And that, that's it. It might just be a, f- a few seconds. Um, the other thing I would say is, is, you know, if this thing happens in a negotiation, then uh, something to help bolster those mindset gremlins. I, I often say, um, if you're in a negotiation, no matter how powerless you feel, the other does need you to agree to something. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in a negotiation. And therefore, you do have some power and control. You do have a choice. The, the, the I was going to say, buggeration factor is, <laughs> is, is probably neither you nor the other really has a real sense of what that power and control might be, which, um, which is what leads me to tip three. Mm-hmm. And I can remember... Uh, being exactly that sort of person who thought I was good at negotiation. I had learned through experience. I applied it most of the time. It seemed to work, which I think is like what makes good negotiators. But but as I say, when it the situation changed or it got difficult or I wasn't sure, that's where it ground to a halt. And that's where the you've run out of ideas, you've got no choice, starts to affect you. And and then I went on the hostage and crisis negotiation course, one of the most intensive courses I've ever been on. And I say intensive because, because if you give up, it means someone loses their life. And that, that's a hard lesson And therefore, that course um, helped me to really understand what I'd been doing in this negotiation. It sort of gave me a framework around which I could actually not only plan a negotiation, but as I was going through it, I could sort of assess it. I could work out if things weren't quite so right, where it was going wrong and where I needed to go back to. Um, It taught me all sorts of things about, for instance... in in business terms, we'd say brand, but my brand as a negotiator, how important it was, how important first impressions were, how how it was really crucial to build great rapport, to build trust, um, to overcome maybe prejudices or, or other people or some other really challenging people. It gave me the skills, um, to dig deep into what was really driving other people and in particular their behaviour. It taught me how we all think. It taught me what drives us, what motivates us. But that knowledge, it's not just giving me the understanding, it's through that experience that now I can start to shape my own behaviour because it starts with yourself. But in learning with that, I could see similar things in other people And maybe there were things I could do to influence and shape their behavior. It taught me that if I was going to have to bargain, if I was going to have to make an offer, 
they taught me how to to best approach that, how to make a really compelling offer that the other might actually listen to and might resonate with the other side. And interestingly, this is sometimes interesting for people, it gave me the skills to conclude well with integrity because that's an interesting word, genuinely, honestly, not lying, because that is the thing that not only allows the agreement to be completed, but to be followed through. Mm-hmm. And one thing in the world I worked in is you often found you would be back there again. And some of that re- recurring, building your brand, is back to that when people meet you for a negotiation. They they actually know what you stand for and they actually this curiosity like you which is really important for business negotiation because that's what builds long-term business relationships and so so I would say going through that training process it 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 changed me into something that I was thinking I was creative I was resilient I was a flexible negotiator who understood the power that I held and I had a whole arsenal of choices I could deploy seamlessly, dynamically as the circumstances changed in a really challenging world. Um, And I think that does translate over into the rest of life and particularly into the business world because although I said I was there to save life, well, you could be saving the life of a deal, the life of a company, someone's reputation, a career. So if the deal is that important, why wouldn't you want to be professional enough to understand the power and control you actually have? Um, when I, at the end of a training or coaching session, I say to people, I've just given you a series of choices. That's all I'm giving you. It, uh, the choice allows you to be the negotiator you want to be. And so my sort of final tip, fourth tip, is this m- mindset thing. Mm-hmm. Is it, it is difficult. It is challenging. And trust me, I've been in some situations. I thought, how the hell are we going to get out of this? How are we going to get anywhere? And that mindset is important because now, however hard or challenging the opposition might feel is in your mind it's almost to say this is an adventure I'm not going to give up yeah don't stumble at the first hurdle and resign yourself to you know I do have a choice it is about power and control and I'm going to hang on to it I'm not saying this is going to be easy but if you've been through that process of understanding negotiation you've 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 learnt more then you'll be in a better place and you need to embrace it as an adventure and say I'm going to give you I'm going to give this a go and that is your resilience speaking combine it with practical up-to-date understanding of the art of negotiation and you will have the professional cutting edge that everyone wants your choice <laughs>